Welcome to the Middle Church Podcast, a multicultural, multi-ethnic, intergenerational movement of spirit and justice, powered by revolutionary love with room for everyone. No matter where you are, how you look, or who you love, we pray this podcast will help you on your journey. Here's this week's worship celebration. transition from video to live was awkward, wasn't it? <laughs> but she, is that video or is that live? Hey, I'm so glad you're here today. Welcome. I'm Jackie Lewis. Um, for how many of you is it the first time in this space? Would you? Yay! Oh my goodness. That's amazing. We're really glad you decided to be with us. I know some of you are here because of the family baptism and special welcome to you. Um, if this is your first time, being with us. We're so glad you're here. It's Mother's Day, and that is not a church holiday, but it is a political holiday, right? Mother's Day began to kind of protest the war movement. So I'm going to say to all of you who mother, uh, to all of you who nurture, to all of you who have mothering spirit inside you, happy Mother's Day to you. And I'm so grateful. Yeah. And happy Mother's Day to you. A couple of announcements to make. One is that today is the middle player's performance here in the sanctuary at 2 o'clock p.m. Woohoo! So you want to come celebrate them? It's a pretty day. Go get something to eat. Come back. 2 o'clock is a performance that Harold wrote the script, right? Harold Slater. Um, Jocelyn's new series, Jocelyn Liu, uh, scholar in residence, wonderful Chinese-American woman, has a new series that begins on Wednesday, May 17th, that focuses on AAPIDA storytelling. Now, Jocelyn is an author, a beautiful author. Her memoir after 9-11, I read it once a year just to stir my soul. So come and be with this program starting May 17th on Wednesdays. And you can register online if you go to middlechurch.org. All the stuff is there. Um, Join us on May 21 as we celebrate somebody wrote a book named Ben Perry. Yes, he did. And somebody else wrote a book named Natalie Renee Perkins. Yes, she did. So we're really proud of our colleagues, and we're looking forward to celebrating their book release. There's a few different ways to celebrate Ben this week. Um, it's in our love letter, the 17th in Soho at the, mm, I'm going to say it, the Housing Works bookstore, right, in, in, on the 17th. But on the 21st, he and I will be talking right here, which is amazing. And on Juneteenth, Natalie Renee Perkins and I are going to do a book talk about hers. So very exciting. Speaking of Juneteenth, we've got lots of different kinds of things happening. Two worship celebrations, 9.30 and 11.45 on Juneteenth. Um, a beautiful program at Lincoln Center um, after our book talk, a, a dance program at Lincoln Center. And our Juneteenth Now movie will premiere on June 19th itself at 7 o'clock, once again being organized by Charles Wright. So it's going to be Juneteenth, all the things. We hope that you'll spend some time with us. Whew. How about that? If you want to look at the bulletin on your screen, you can text bulletin 833-786-0733, and you'll have it. Or you can watch the one on the wall while we experiment with being green, which we know it's not easy. 
Ha ha. Okay, I'm inviting the choir to come up. I'm so funny sometimes, right, choir? Oh. I'm missing a bulletin today. I'm not looking at the thing. I'd like to invite our family to come. All of the folks related to the family of Nico. and Come on, y'all. Come on, Nico's family. Come on, Nayeli's family. I just want to say out loud how beautiful it is to baptize these children on this day when we celebrate mothers um, and, and also when we celebrate the mothering spirit of our God who loves us all. So, amen. Novella's our family. This is family. Those of you, so. Just for those of you who are online, you may not have, uh, have seen Novell before. He's always standing outside, like one of the people who helps keep, keep us safe. So everyone in here is like, oh yeah, Novell. That's why. Um, <laughs> we're delighted to proclaim that these, are, uh, these children are God's family. Uh, they are known, loved, and as the psalmist says, they are awesomely and wonderfully made. We baptize children because even before we speak a word, God has called us as their own. Middle Church, will you pray for Novell, Natalie, Nico, and Nahaley, and hold them in the light of God's love? If so, say we will. We will. We will. And I'm going to try to... I want to say a word to Big Sister because she understands. Nayeli, this water, this water, like just like the puddles you splash in, just like your bath water, just like the water that gives us life when we drink it, this water is ordinary water, but we use it to baptize because God takes ordinary things and makes them extraordinary. And we baptize you because you already belong to God before you had words. So your parents, Natalie and Novell, to all who are gathered, will you continue to love these babies on behalf of God and raise them in the light of God's amazing grace? If so, say, we will. We will. Excellentness, excellentness. And we're going to ask Nelly to hold that, and I'm going to hold this. Mommy, can you say the full name of the baby boy? Sure. It's Nico Ansel. Nico Ansel Williams Martinez. Hello, man. <laughs> what a joy it is to baptize you in the name of God, whom Jesus called Abba, Daddy, Papi. In the name of Jesus, who offered a welcome to all the children. And in the name of the Holy Spirit, who will always be your friend and comfort you and love you no matter what. Mm -hmm. Thank you. 
Nayeli. Nayeli? Mm -hmm. Josie. In mm -hmm. the middle, right? Okay. Nayeli. Josie. I baptize you in the name of God, whom Jesus called Daddy, Abba, Papi. In the name of Jesus, who welcomes all the children. And in the name of the Holy Spirit, who will always be your friend and comfort you for your whole life. Amen. 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 This is the part where you feel like, you know, Lion King or something, right? <laughs> Hi, Zinconiana! <laughs> Middle Church, these are your children, and this is your family. Let us baptize them in love. Amen. 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 <laughs> Thank you, baby. Congratulations. And now, now it's time for the opening. <laughs>
Okay, <laughs> now it's time for message for all ages. So, young people and young in heart, please come over here. <laughs> okay, so um, today I'm going to tell the differences, the cultural differences between U.S. and Japan, because I'm from Japan. Okay, the first, the car drives in the right, on the right side here in U.S., but in Japan, it's on the left. Can you see? Over here. So this is number one. Number two. And the uh, difference of the gesture. When you call your friend, come here. How do you do? To call with your hand? To, to invite people like this, right? But in Japan, we do this. <laughs> like you're gone, <laughs> right? It's completely opposite. And also the, uh, how to point your, myself. Like, who took the cookie from the cookie jar? Who? Me? Right? Point the chest. But in Japan, we point a nose. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I had a hard time. Sometimes I do this. <laughs> I still. And number four, and this is a good thing. In America, at school, you don't have to clean the school. Right? But in Japan, all the students have to clean ourselves. We have the cleaning time every day. So we are divided into the groups, like team A clean the classroom, team B clean the bathroom, team B C clean the teacher's room. So we switch every week and clean. So it's good. <laughs> you don't have to do that. Okay, and the number five, and also the difference, it's a, the way to write the book. So, in, in the U.S., it's, which way? <laughs> left to right, left to right. So, I brought a book, this is written by one of the choir members, Karen Katz, children's book. <laughs> so... This opens from left to right, right? And I also brought a Japanese book. 
This is right to left. And also in the top to bottom. So this is completely different. <laughs> Our textbook, you know, Japanese textbooks are written like this. And the last thing, it's not only for the kids, but you know, in Japan, ambulance is free for everyone. <laughs> so this is a good thing. So it's okay to get sick in Japan. <laughs> okay, so, um, so like I felt like I was different completely in many ways after I came here, but. It's okay to be different. Mm -hmm. So the important thing is to love and respect each other, whoever we are. Thank you. <laughs> okay, let's sing Siahamba. middle. Next, uh, Kaede and I are going to offer the prayers of the people. I am so honored to sing with my friend Kaede, who I love and respect so much.
invite you to pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Please stand if you are able. There is an inclusive version of the Lord's Prayer on the wall in our digital bulletin. Please recite what version you know in whatever language you are comfortable. Ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
this time, I invite you to greet one another in community and middle fierce love. (laughs) The words are simple and familiar and come from a deep place of love. Peace be with you. And also Dan is trying to rock it out. I see. Friends, I want to take a moment to say something because I'm going to forget to say it at the end of worship and I don't want to do that. 
But we have been loving each other fiercely, low these last two and a half years, by being vigilant about staying home when we're sick, by wearing our masks, even singing through our masks, which is a hard work, right? By testing, all of us who do worship test every Sunday to make sure that we are safe enough to take our masks off. But the staff and I had a meeting last week about CDC and World Health Organization guidelines, and we are going to shift our policy starting next week, um, and we're shifting it to um, maintain our love, fierce love, by saying if you don't feel well, you're not going to come. You're not going to tell yourself it's allergies. You're going to take a test if you don't feel well. And then you know it's allergies. <laughs> but we're not going to come if we don't feel well. We are, and all of us who are participating in worship, the ushers, the greeters, the volunteers, all of us who are participating in worship will test. We'll all test now. So we add that extra layer because we're going to make masks optional. And making masks optional means that we're going to just be a little more vulnerable. But we're going to keep on fiercely loving each other by stay home if you don't feel well, all of us who are participating, taking tests so we know we're in a no viral mode that moment, and then we're going to make our, our mask wearing optional for you um, so that you can breathe a little bit when you come in here. How do you feel about that? Now, this is what happens in mask optional places sometimes. People who wear masks can feel like they're being um, picked on, critiqued, looked at funny. What's wrong with you? Are you sick? Well, I'm probably going to wear my mask because I live with a man who's got asthma type things and I have a grandmother to some vulnerable babies. And my mask wearing will be my way of being in the loving community. So I want all of you to do what you should do to be loving in this community. If you're immunocompromised, you're not feeling well, make a double mask for yourself, do that. Be, just tell us, don't, don't, don't try to get in my face. Like, we got to make this little space a safe place for everybody, even as we shift. Will you help us do that? Okay. Okay. That, we might say it again, but I didn't want to forget. Okay. Today's scripture lesson is one of the places in scripture that has beautiful divine images about God and God's people. So let me read to you just a little bit from... Um, I, I don't know that I cannot do a bulletin, is what I'm thinking. I want to, but the wall is not speaking to me today. That's right. The wall and I are not having good communications, guys. So somebody produce me, okay? So, all right. So I'm going to sit down now and not preach yet, and goodbye. Do you know Kermit? Yes? Hold on. Let me, let me introduce you to Kermit. for having me here. It's good to be here in Middle Church on the pulpit. I know you've had another, uh, you've had other amphibians here, frog and toad and, but I'm the first Kermit, I believe, so I'm going to sing you a song. This song's a song that Lynn should have sang herself and she could have sang her whole sermon in three minutes, <laughs> but she's not green, 
so I'll sing it. like flashy sparkles in the water or stars in the sky. But green's the color of spring and green can be cool and friendly like and green can be big like an ocean It's beautiful, and I think it's what I want to be. You know what I think is so funny? How Minister Lynn Min talks about finding your voice, and she's using a puppet. Standing out like flashy sparkles in the water or stars in the sky. I feel the same way about me, too. But green is the color of spring. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And green can be cool and friendly, like. Oh, yeah. It can make you wonder, but why wonder, why wonder, I'm green and it'll be fine, it's beautiful, and it's what I want to be.
Is it time? <laughs> oh gosh, wasn't that gorgeous? Absolutely beautiful. Um, so I'm going to read just a few verses from Isaiah 66 and think about women and how sometimes it's not easy being femme. Here is the word of God in Isaiah's prophecy, the message version. I will pour robust well-being into Israel like a river, the glory of nations like a river in a flood. You'll nurse at her breasts, nestle in her bosom, and be bounced on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so I'll comfort you. You'll be comforted in Jerusalem, which stands for the world. This is a word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Do you know that I pick up people? That little boy said in the movie, I see dead people. I pick up people wherever I go. So I, in the bathroom, oh, girl, those shoes on the street. Let me see that hat. Uh, I was at MSNBC Studios a few weeks ago with uh, Jonathan Capehart, and here was this vibrant, energetic human being, light wrapped in flesh, is what I felt from men. So we chatted, and then I picked her up. Would you like to come preach? She laughed. <laughs> but would you come and have a conversation with me? To which she said yes. So this is a New York Times bestselling author, National Book Award finalist, incredible artist, activist, um, my new friend, Min Jin Lee. <laughs> Natalie and I are gonna laugh later about these production goofs. We're like, girl, and then what happened next? <laughs> And who, we had had them, who had the mics? Why didn't Jackie know her script? What was happening? But we had a rehearsal, too. We did. That's what... <laughs> <laughs> like, we did our homework. And yet. And yet. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. For, for this, I feel only a little shame. But we did, right? Cue to cue. Tina ran it. It was, with, with, it was amazing. With Ben, and then we just... Yeah, then we, then we just didn't do it. I'm trying to get myself... There we go. Hi. Well, I just realized it's good afternoon. <laughs> it's not yet. Oh, it's not? No, it's 12.30, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. <laughs> should I go home or should, <laughs> or should I tell you about the hepped up allergy drugs I'm on? <laughs> Have me just a little wacko-winko. How about that? Oh, my God. What day is it? I think it's Sunday. It's Sunday. You and I exchanged a couple of emails. Um, just a couple of the fem feminine images of God in the Bible, which it kind of floors me, men, that we have to still today in 2023 fight for feminine images of God. And not being able to fight for feminine images of God means also we just can't get with the non-binary images of God, 
for sure. We can't get with the queerness of God. We ain't ready for that. We're not ready. And yet right here in Scripture are all of these images of God that invite us to deconstruct, and that's all I'm talking about is deconstructing the white old guy with the winkums, if you understand what I'm trying to say. Like, is he really genital and is he really a he? So I was thinking about a Mother's Day as a time for us to just celebrate the divine that's in Scripture, not the divine we're making up. It's in Scripture, right? It's right here. Do you with me? Really? Because some of y'all look like you might be afraid of this. I get hate mail when I call God she. I do. I get hate mail when I call God they, as though I am breaking a commandment by using language that is not masculine. Don't you know that the Bible says he because he's a he, and that's how it is, but it's not. In fact, one of the languages of God, one of the words for God, El Shaddai, right? The evangelicals pray. If you're in the room in evangelical, I love you. But the evangelicals will pray like El Shaddai. And what does El Shaddai mean? Well, people think it means God of the mountains, like God on high, God of the mountains. Do you know what it actually means? God of the breasts. Shaddai is breasts. And it gets translated to hills and mountains because we can't handle the truth. Okay, that's the drugs talking. That's not me. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Isaiah comparing God because God said so to a woman who gave birth and will never forget us, right? The words for spirit, ruach, can you say ruach? Ruach is a feminine word that means breath and wind and spirit and is all over the scriptures, yet the men, the patriarchs, don't want to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit, hello, ruach, is feminine. The Greek word for spirit, pneuma, is feminine. And yet, the patriarchy can't imagine that the Trinity has a girl in it. So, men, new friend, what's up with the inability for us to let the divine have feminine characteristics? I think we're afraid. I think we're afraid of feminine power. I think we're just afraid of women. I don't know why we're so cute. <laughs> She's not on... Uh, allergy drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that it's really terrifying to think that every single human being is born of a woman. And if you acknowledge that amount of power, do we also have the power of death? Mm. Do we only have the power of life? Mm. So if we even think about it for five seconds about that kind of power, then I think we start to invent patriarchy. Mm. Because so much of reproductive labor is done by mothers, and by reproductive uh, work, I'm thinking about an anthropological term, we give life. We feed, we sleep, we provide for our children, and that reproductive energy and that labor that we actually do, it's not just like theoretical, we do it. I think it's very threatening, because if we take that away, then it does cause death. 
Yeah, the, the, the life force, absenting the life force causes death. And so you're thinking that the fear of the power that we would have to cause death causes the patriarchy to be created to control us, manage us. Am I saying it back? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I also think that I wonder, I mean, I really wonder about this quite a bit, is when I walk around the world and I've interviewed people around the world, I keep seeing all these children who were, who are adults now, who weren't mothered properly. Mm. And there's so much anger. There's so much anger. And I think mm. as a mother myself, I think, oh, I've made mistakes yeah. as a mother. Yeah. And I think I'm sure every mother has made mistakes. I think that's right. And I want to just complexify that a bit to say the, the parenting, right? The mothering and the fathering and the parenting. Um, that activity is our, can be our biggest scapegoat, right? Um, the, the, was there parental failure and that's why you're a weasel, right? Right. That, that's, that, that happens. And that failure of reproductive perfect labor yeah, right. does cause misogyny. Yes, yes. And I wonder about that too. Yeah. I, I think... We're going to bring it to more positive things soon. Yeah, we said we're going, to, we're, going to, we're, going to, we're going to make sure we get to joy before this is over. That was our goal. I do think, and you know, in today's world, um, some fathers give birth and some, you know, transitioned people give birth. And in today's world, which I think isn't any different than the ancient times, more ancient times, I think we're more aware, more conscious. But the thing that I think is ubiquitous, no matter what we become in terms of progressive men, in terms of how we open our minds, the hatred for the female hasn't gone away, right? The, the kind of deep-seated hatred for female power has not dissipated. And I would argue that part of the reason our queer siblings are in such hot mess uh, about from the world is because there's, there's a fear of femininity, and, and therefore there's a desire to keep hyper-masculinity in the foreground. And I think all of us who are not hyper-masculine suffer from that fear of the feminine. Well, first off, we got, I think I was remiss. I'm so sorry that you are getting hate mail. Oh, my goodness, right? And I'm for really... saying she. Oh, I believe you. Not, not for calling Trump a you <laughs> yeah, know, or star porn. <laughs> poker. I didn't get a lot of hate mail for that one, but just for the pronoun she. Well, I'm a, I'm a college <laughs> professor and I believe in saying they. Yeah. And yeah. as an English professor, people think that's curious, but I think that language is constantly evolving. Sure. And I think that we have the capacity to grow and to increase our um, language skills. Certainly, English is not my first language, and I speak English better than Korean now, so clearly I have that capacity. Yeah. I also think that it's not just fear. I think it's also a wish for control. Oh, you wouldn't mm -hmm. have the strength of hatred unless we had that strength of power. Right. I think those are the same coin and the two yes. different sides. I also am very curious about people don't like things that are indefinite. Mm -hmm. And the whole condition of queerness is that it is an umbrella that is profoundly inclusive. And I think people want to put you in a box. And they don't like the fact that they can't put you in a very easy category. Yeah. And again, that's about domination and oppression and control. Yeah. And I find that very problematic. And also, it lacks humility. 
Amen to that. Um, I, it is Mother's Day. And um, I don't know if you've seen Christina Cleveland, I want to say to everybody, has a beautiful book out. Uh, Christina uh, Cleveland, That God is a Black Mother. That's not the right title, but that's what she's saying, that God is a black mother. And I remember before I read her book, right around the time my mom died, maybe six years ago, I did a little piece for the Center for Action and Contemplation. We were all, this time of year, imagining moms. What's inside me, like before theology books, right, before degrees, what's inside me is the image of God that I created. I wanna, I wanna, this is, I want to slow down and say this. Every single one of us has an image of God that we've created. We don't know God. We don't know exactly what God is like, right? So we fill in the space between what we know or what we've been taught. The stained glass windows in our Sunday school room. Oh, God is like that. Your mother or father or your auntie or uncle or your, you know, or your tad pick you up, lift you up, and, and throw you up in the air, and you feel, you feel exalted, and that goes inside you. The music goes inside you. The message for all ages goes, the blanket goes inside you. All of that creates the image of God that you pray to, and it keeps changing over time, like your language, like your English. My, my image of God was always a soft mother with big breasts and soft shoulders and smelled a bit like Ultra Sheen and Winsong because <laughs> she was wearing that hair, okay? But that's inside me. And I, what I'm wanting to wonder is, is it also because there's a feminine deity image in most of us? Because we all got raised by some level of feminine energy. That the, that the patriarchy shuts that down because that doesn't match what they think power is. Is that too, is that too long of ram, ramble right there? Right? It doesn't match. It doesn't look like you, in other words. That image of God that's inside you, that you created, looks a little soft. And you look in the mirror, and that's not what you see. So you want to squash that image, I wonder. Well, I think that in order to liberate us from these definitions that are very oppressive and painful, they're mm -hmm. very painful to some people, is that we have to ask ourselves, well, how do we receive our education, mm. yeah. right? So if you think about it, women were not allowed to be educated cross-culturally, and even now, for many, many years. So when I think about who was able to have the ability to read the text of the Bible, it wasn't even available to common people under the Catholic Church for a very, very long time. Right. And then so if we didn't have literacy, and then once you had literacy, who was able to study it? Who went to divinity school? Right. Right. There were men. So all these interpreters were men, yeah. and then we have all this received knowledge. And then in order to have the liberation occur, we actively have to participate, I think, in this. Yeah. When I think about the image of God for me, I always think of God as funny. I love that. <laughs> like, I always think God is funny because we're hilarious, yeah. all of us. I mean, it's either he must be really angry or he must look at us and go, oh, it's not cute. <laughs> she thinks she can do that. <laughs> How adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And the playfulness in that, right? Um, Donald Winnicott is one of my favorite psychologists. Um, and the, the kind of uh, idea of religion as, don't get mad, don't get mad, as play, right? As rehearsal, as playfulness, as what if we, you know, curiosity, as opposed to dogma and squeeze in and don't no mos, more like what if God is, 
hilarious? Because we are. And what if God is shiny and sparkly? Because we are. And what if God is a great writer? Because we are. Or an artist? Because we are. Or they? Because we are. What if we let God show us more of God because we liberate ourselves from the, um, the things we've been taught that bind us? It'd be one thing if what we were taught liberated us. But if, if what you're taught binds you and imprisons you, why can't we let that mess go? There's a place in my book, um, my friend Michael Livingston, I'm going to quote you, and sorry, but you said this. Um, I got to seminary, and I was a bound-up girl. I really didn't even know I was, but I was bound up about every part of my body was in a, what's the right word, like a sleeve. You know what I really am trying to say. I was all bound up. Straitjacket. Yes, thank you, a straitjacket. Everything was bound up. My mind was in a straitjacket. My little nether parts were in a straitjacket. Everything was about what I should not do, should not be, should not think. And I thought, there's no way that girl is good enough for God. Can't possibly be a minister, right? And I got to seminary, and my friend Michael, I was in a room talking to him in a meeting, and I was like, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't. And he said, girl... You're going to have to let that ship go. Did you hear the P at the end? That's not what he said. You're going to have to let that ship go. And it was the beginning of, of exploration. Um, like you as an author, I mean, I'm deep, in, I'm deep in your book right now. Pachinko. I love it's really it. good. Oh, my yeah. God. It's excellent. <laughs> but you're... But you, you write, you write a truth. You write a joy. You write a freedom, even though you're writing a poignant story of intergenerational trauma, they would say. It's in there. Can we rewrite the way we think about God so that we can have a joyful, playful, creative partner that nurtures us along our life past? Well, I think if God is God and not our assistant, right? Okay. Or our producer, or our manager, or our teacher, or our servant. I don't know what you think. I like God. I like God being my producer, but I'll take, okay. I'll take everything right. else you're saying, I'm with. Right. I just, I'm, somebody God, needs to produce me. You, no, you know this. No, right? I need a producer too. I, <laughs> yeah. I need a very good executive producer who's ethical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if God is truly, truly God, then I believe that he gives us these gifts to be more regenerative, more liberatory, mm -hmm. and also we have the capacity to unshackle mm -hmm. the clasps that put us in our straitjackets. I mean, obviously you're here, you're proof positive. I got out. Right. I got out. Get right? out. I got and out. And you had multiple guideposts yep. and friends who could liberate you. Yep. I mean, for me, as an educator, as well as, as, well as a writer, I believe that it is our job to take our education, to transform ourselves and transform others. Otherwise, it is all in vain. It's selfish just to get all that stuff and to hoard it. Right. So let's just get this, promise ourselves to get to the word joy, because we're out of time now. <laughs> um, how, let's just take, you, you, get, you have the last word. I'm going to have the penultimate word. I think if we would let ourselves get to liberation, we would be at joy. I think we were designed for joy. I think we're designed for flourishing. I think we're designed for laughter and play. And that in some ways, we've put ourselves in a straitjacket by creating theologies that, that 
knock us on our feet and lock us up. So I'm saying, let's liberate ourselves for joy, which is our original purpose. And what say you as the last word? I think that if you're in that straitjacket, I, I pray, I pray that you will realize that you were injured and therefore somebody put you in there or you put yourself in there trying to protect yourself. Because that is the reason why when you're at a mental hospital and if you're about to harm yourself, somebody puts you in there. So it's not just a sense of imprisonment, mm -hmm. it's actually so you don't harm yourself. So I hope that you will have the gentleness and that you will extend yourself grace to say, I must have been injured or I was disappointed or heartbroken, but injuring myself is not the answer. And this jacket is just a temporary thing to not hurt myself. Yeah. How do I get out? Yeah. And then to find the healers and the friends and the community in order for us all to be liberated. I love that. And I love you. Thank you. <laughs>
<laughs> no, the, the not overbearing piece is really, it was really important to me as a person of, Jew, of Jewish ancestry, as someone who practiced Buddhism for over a decade, as a queer person, and as someone who tends to be stubbornly contrarian, uh, I was really primed to protect myself against any form of proselytization or Christian exceptionalism. But I didn't feel the need to protect myself in this Christian space. And over time, my sense of safety has grown. But the story of our first visit to Middle does not end with, and we've been coming back ever since. We actually didn't come back for a year and a half because neither of us was looking to join a church. I figured I would only join a church if Sarah wanted me to. And then I would like half hold my nose, <laughs> half secretly be excited. Um, but Sarah was still recovering from Catholicism. So we both agreed that Middle was great and we didn't talk about it again. So a year and a half later, Gabrielle was 10 months old, and I had just returned from my first trip away from her for a research project in halfway around the world in East Timor. I was intensely jet-lagged, and I was trying to figure out what to do professionally after my project ended. One of those sleepless nights, I felt very aware that something wasn't right, despite so much that was right in my life. I decided I needed a plan for the next day, something to do that had some purpose beyond our daily routine. But what? All of a sudden, I thought of our visit to Middle a year and a half earlier, and I realized that it was about to be Sunday morning. When Sarah woke up a couple hours later, the first thing I said to them was, we're going to Middle Church this morning. <laughs> and Sarah looked slightly confused, <laughs> but was game, and we've been going ever since. I realized that some people might credit God with that middle-of-the-night inspiration. It's not my first impulse, it's not my usual language, but I don't reject it either. Sarah pointed out to me that I was praying that night, that I asked for something and I received it. And I'm filled with gratitude for that and for the courage I found to overcome my own inertia, my overwhelm, and my skepticism. About a year after joining the church, I joined the gospel choir which I would say ranks close, a close second to joining a church on the list of things I never thought I would do. <laughs> in the same way that I trust Reverend Jackie and everyone at Middle to welcome me just as I am, no matter what language I use to describe the holy, our director, John, welcomes every single voice, just as it is, with such a genuine, gentle love. And I'm not saying John is like all peace and love all the time. <laughs> But, but he models fierce love for us, and we reflect it back to one another. So even though I don't tend to use spiritual language, I experience something like faith when the church burned down, which feels like a weird thing to say now. Um, but I, I've never understood the meaning of faith. Like, why is it a virtue to believe something with no proof? It sounds like more like a vice to me. <laughs> but when Sarah, Gabrielle, and I went to the site of the fire that morning, I was surprised to feel a really deep, grounded calm arising in me. I felt devastated, of course, but I also felt so certain that Middle would survive this. I knew there was enough love and energy to rebuild. Nothing that really mattered was gone. In retrospect, while I'm still certain Middle will thrive, I also see that my newfound faith was perhaps a little innocent. Like The building did matter, and it's gone. I didn't know anything about the financial concerns, the facade, or our neighbor, ironically named Faith. It, <laughs> it's easy to have faith when the path looks clear, but I'm learning to have faith when the journey is uncomfortable. And it's not just about belief. At the end of the day, it's about action.
So we know you're here because you love and believe in middle, because it feeds you. It feeds us as a multi-faith or mixed faithful and faith-curious family. <laughs> but middle cannot support us if we don't support middle, and middle literally only exists with our gifts. So we're reminding us all today that it's crucial to contribute our time and our energy and our resources in whatever way we feel most called. If you haven't officially joined Middle, you can go to middlechurch.org join to become a member. And be sure to sign up for a new members class online so we can get to know you better. In a moment, the ushers will pass around the offering bags in the sanctuary. And folks can also offer gifts directly online at middlechurch.org donate or via Venmo. Thank you all. For I am yours. 
are mine. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my So what do we do in that moment when our feet are taking us past where we feel we have the strength to wander? We trust in our gifts, all the love that has already been given to us and the love in this community that you have shown in these plates and in your hearts. Thank you, God, for these incredible gifts. Use them to nourish us. Use them to mother us. And may we nurture the world towards peace. Amen. Amen. Please stand. We're going to give you a little bit of aerobic workout for your process. <laughs> <laughs> That's that little jiggly piece that everybody gets a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to hold everybody up.
give the benediction. So, okay, get yourself free, uh huh, from theologies that bind you and make you joyless. In Espanol, so okay, no, I can't do it. Okay, all right, get yourself free because the nurturing, mothering, loving spirit of God is all about your freedom and your liberation. Right, Nico? Amen. 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 Thanks for listening, friends. To learn more about Middle Church, visit middlechurch.org. You can help grow this movement of love and justice by rating us on Apple or Spotify and by sharing this episode with a friend or two. Send us an email at info at middlechurch.org if you have any questions or comments. We hope you'll come back next week. Bye for now.